I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to The Andy Rowe Show. Steve Cowan was one of the most infamous and violent football hooligans in England during the 80s and 90s. Cowan and his mates from Sheffield United built up the firm Blade Business Crew to a point where sometimes they were heading to games with a 400-strong army just looking for a fight with a rival firm. We're going to try and get an understanding of the mentality of a hooligan and get some stories along the way. I hope you enjoy the episode. Once a month, I get a delivery through the letterbox door, some freshly packaged coffee from patcoffee.com. It comes directly from the farmer, so by the time I put it in my stovetop coffee maker and froth some milk, I'm drinking the freshest, most delicious coffee I've ever made. And if you go to patcoffee.com, that's P-A-C-T, coffee.com, you'll get five quid off your first bag when you create a flexible coffee subscription. And make sure you enter the code Andy Rowe at the checkout. This is really important. You'll get a discount, and you'll also show your support for this podcast so I can keep creating more content. Go to packcoffee.com and create your coffee subscription. The code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan for new customers only. Steve Cowens, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Under. Let's start with Sheffield United because it's not a globally recognised club as far as like, you know, you probably, you might have heard of it if you're overseas, but you're probably not going, oh, yeah, there's a club I want to get behind. They're not the glamour of Man United or you know the big the big clubs what was it for you that drew you into Sheffield United well it's not it was glory put it that way because uh, one thing about being a Sheffield United fan you don't get much glory yeah it's like I'm, I'm a Sheffield lad and me, all my family were blades and me, my dad and my granddad just took me to Ram Lane my first game when I was six year old and then I had my first season ticket when I was 12 year old and I've just been a massive fan fan of the club I've followed them all over Country. I've been to every ground. I've followed to every ground. Pre-violence days, I used to go, I, I, even at school, I used to go everywhere. What I could afford to go to. All my life, I mean, you can see all, probably see all the stuff behind me. But yeah, it's all been encompassing in my life. That um, we've all got something that we absolutely adore. We've got missuses and kids and all. We all obviously we all adore them. There's something in your in life. Somebody loves. They might go. They might love cycling, going cycling, or and chefing eyes been mad my love in my life when did the violence start 12 year old i got my first season ticket we played funny enough it were arsenal again we drew arsenal in fa cup they weren't a premier league then in england it were a first division and a second division we were in second division then and arsenal went first and they weren't the best sides in the country we drew them at home in fa cup and i went and it, well, we got battered for, the beats five nil but arsenal fans had gone on our call and they were all fighting and I was 14 at the time and I watched it. I was more watching fighting than I were the game. Sheffield United fans eventually fought Arsenal fans off cop and they all spilled on pitch. So I looked up at my granddad and, and I said to him, Granddad, we've got them off our cop. All right, please, you know what I mean? I think, you know, I've fought them off our cop. They've, that were the first sort of 
vision of violence at first time I'd seen it first hand. And my granddad just looked down at me and just said, yeah, but he never swore me granddad. They just went, yeah, they're idiots. They're all idiots. I was sat in the car next to him driving home and thinking, when I grow up, I'm going to be one of them idiots that defend art. You know, they, they're coming to try and take your cop and take your town or whatever. But I'm going to be one of them idiots that defends uh, thing in it. So subconsciously, I think that day sort of registered in my head that when I get old enough, I'm going to, I'm going to defend I'm going to defend Sheffield from these hordes, these like Viking hordes that are coming to pillage your, your city and what have you. So it really subconsciously, I think that's when my first time I thought, I'm going to have some of this when I'm older. I'm going to, I'm going to fight for my club. Fast forwarding to six, when I was 16 year old, Sheffield United had just dropped to the bottom division. So we were first time in, in his 125 year history. We've played in the fourth division. We'd just gone down to it. And I just left school at 16 year old. And at school, butter wouldn't melt in my mouth. I were, I were an angel. I were like, I were, I were never bullied. But you know, it's like at school, I didn't have best of clothes. Um, and this, that, and other. And there'd be mercy. I got holes in your socks or whatever. You're tramping this, that, and other. And I never used to say anything back. But when I walked out of school gates yeah, for the last time, I just made a conscious thing that I'm not going to take no shit off nobody. And that school gate shut behind me. And it's a different Steve Cowens. Whether I get beat, whether I finish second, or whether whatever comes my way, 10 lads, I weren't going to take a backward step. And I'm going to f- confront everything head on. And that's what I had to finish with. That's what I did with, and I did it with bells on. So we've gone to fourth division. And in them days, it, it was sort of violence were everywhere. Everybody had got a gang and this, that, and other. So because we'd gone to all these smaller clubs, they've all. Everybody and the nanans turned out for us, and everywhere we went, we're fighting. So at 16 year old, I got probably more experience in one season fighting and violence than somebody got me 10 years before me. And I embraced it and took it on board. And, and before we knew it, I got like 25 mates who were with me, who were all my age. They all looked up to me because I was game. I wanted to fight, and I went, I was fearless. And then before I knew it, that that 25 were 50. And then by the time we got to 19, we got 100. So 21, we we could turn like 500, could turn an army out with like four or 500 lads all over England in early 80s. West Ham could take 800 lads to a football game. Manchester United could take 800 lads. Leeds, they, they were massive football firms. And violence was just, it was just mad. It was manic. Was that the mentality that you kind of think about when you were talking about a Viking horde sort of invading your city, or like, is it that young lad mentality that you kind of just wanted to go into battle and you wanted to have an army behind you? That kind of comradeship that you probably don't get in normal life, but that thirst for war almost that a lot of young men have. Is that I'm just trying to understand the mentality of why you would join a football firm. You've got to think as well that, that sort of in late 70s, early 80s, a lot of social unrest. Um, Margaret Thatcher were like sort of went against working class people where England were predominantly steelworks and coal mine, coal workers, especially in North or England, which I live. So there were a lot of social unrest and there were a lot of gang culture. And football's tribal. It doesn't matter whatever you think, it, football is tribal, especially in England. So if you're from Sheffield and we've got Leeds. We've got ladies 30 miles up motorway. You aren't going to just sit there while like 300 of their lads monks around your town centre 
battering everything in, in the way where the things so yeah you had to go and protect and I've had I've had this with a lot of a lot of United fans, Sheffield United fans who weren't involved in violence, but they've said to me, before your you lot came along, we weren't safe going to football. You came along and we got a defense we got we got a defense mechanism in place with you lot. Because what happened with also in early the casual scene, I know you might not understand this, but a casual scene came along which were all designer clothes, which was it were mad. You'd you'd be fighting in a a 400 pound Burberry coat jacket or whatever <laughs> or with you know, tennis gear all your feeler and LS and Sergio Tacchini came along along with golfing stuff where you'd be going in a in an Argyle Pringle sweater to football with Farrah Slacks and look looked a million dollars you know what I mean next me you're getting ripped all over we're fighting but it, it was a massive cultural um, and social thing that happened and it, it just swept all over the country every team in England and Scotland for that matter had a football firm and a big football firm. And everywhere you went, bear in mind, you've got to think as well, then there's no mobile phones. You couldn't really organise it. So you just tip up in a town centre. They didn't know what you were going to face. You could go to one town centre with 20 of you. And next to me, 100 lads just tip up to pub and what have you. And, and that's, I used to love that, to be honest with you. You know, that I, it sounds perverse, this you think is hmm. fucking nuts, this gun. But I used to love it when chips were down, when it were really bad odds. And that's when I come to my or that because you can have a football firm of say 150 lads but really your football firms your front 20 lads because they're the ones that hold the line they're the ones that steady the shit all them could stand and jump around and they're already on the back foot it's the front 20 that hold it together and i weren't front 20 i wanted to be front one i didn't even want front 20 i wanted to be front one so i was standing front i i, I had no fear that's probably why i got so many injuries. So many injuries. What was the worst injury you got? Oh, I mean, it's funny this because I've just been for an eye test today, and my right eye's shocking. Um, I detached me. I got it in that we're brick full on breaking. My, my own fault. Can't moan about it. We we played Blackburn. We just chased Blackburn's firm, but we'd gone and trained ten of us. All the rest of them gone and coached us. All rest of our firm went back to ground to get on the coaches, and we walked to where we just chased them. Obviously, they've seen us, 50 of them come running at us. There's only 10 of us. And I've just jumped in the middle of the road telling them, stand, stand. And, well, they, they, let, they left me. My own team left me. and I, They just got me. And one came from behind and just smashed me in the face with a brick. Bust my nose. But it detached all my retina. And my eye, oh, my eye were out of here. And it, I've still got blurred vision in it now. That's what I said. That was 1987, that. I've got, sla- I got slashed on my back at all. Various with bottles and this, that, and all this. But it's all been part and parcel. And you can't cry about it because you, you don't have to be there, do you? The lads who you're fighting against, they want to they wanna fight. They wanna, it, it, you've got to have a code of conduct, and sometimes a code of conduct goes, goes out at window. Uh, but we, we at Sheffield United always had a code of conduct. There's no weapons, so nobody carried knives. We wouldn't let anybody in our, in our firm carry knives, even though other firms did. Someone on the floor, you don't kick 20, you jump all over them, kick seven bells of shit out of them because they're on the floor. You know what I mean? Just have a bit of de- have a bit of a code of conduct and a bit of decorum. You don't kill somebody, it's not, it's a, ga- it's a game. I know it goes, I know it's a serious game because our injuries I've had and, and people have, have, people have died at football, but you don't want to take it that too, take it too far because of the casual scene, like I said about the, the clothes that everybody used to wear, the tennis gear. 
in early 80s. You all know who we were lads, even just how they walked and their haircuts. It was a, a cultural and fashion thing. So, you know, innocent fans and you know their mob. And all you wanted to do it were mob against mob mentality. So innocent fans, we could take 300 and say we went to Leeds or somewhere. Loads of Leeds fans could walk past us. They'd be not, they'd be, they wouldn't even get any abuse or what have you. But as soon as we saw their lads and their lads saw us, it was game on. I want to get into the mentality of trying to understand it, and then I want to get into some of the stories. Um, you know, people want to going to want to hear stories of Birmingham and and Leeds and you know the the scraps you got into. But I, I want to sort of just touch on trying to get into the mentality of a hooligan and understand like there must have been a buzz that you know we talked about the you know the war mentality and you know guys being so into you know the whole. Yeah, army philosophy and that kind of stuff. Like, what was the buzz like for you? You know, if you're going to let's say an away game, or whether you were going to the city centre to meet an away hooligan firm. Like, what? Talk me through that sort of side of it. Oh, unbelievable! The buzz, the adrenaline rush, the excitement of it all—nothing can compare. There's hundred lads running at you, screaming, throwing bottles and thing and you've got to hold your line and you've got to be strong in there that buzz in there adrenaline takes on a different fear where it certainly did with me i never carried fear it was just all a massive buzz we started getting a really good reputation or bad reputation just depending <laughs> on what side of fences visit so. but in our hooligan and echelons are hooligans in in country we went from like a quite a nondescript firm to one of probably best firms and uh, most active firms we just exploded them and everybody were talking about us so much so that we got we got a lot of respect and, and I could look down sometimes at United United's mob and think there's hundreds of us here and I don't think two thousand lads would be able to shift us because you just knew people around you trusted them and you knew they weren't going nowhere no matter what. So you weren't gonna get left. You weren't gonna get left behind. Let's talk about some of your war stories. Yeah, hooligan stories. Birmingham they had the Zulus, didn't they? The their firm. Oof, well, you, you had a few fights with them, didn't you? Yeah, I don't. He, we never used to have a, a sort of a rival. I, I know a lot of Birmingham lads now. Um, I've, it's like it's weird because you know football lads I used to fight against. I know them all now, and we have a beer and a laugh about old days. And because a lot of us wrote books or whatever, and we've been to do's and um, we've all met up. We all know each other now. We all pass stories on and this that, and we have a laugh and a, a joke about it, but. Yeah, but Birmingham just sort of we played them, and they, like I said, we we'd explored onto the scene, and we were doing we were doing business all over. Birmingham had a really tasty firm, predominantly black lads, uh, a mixed firm. We were a multicultural firm as well. We us and Birmingham probably were the most multicultural firms. Uh, we never had any problem with racism or uh, what have you. Same with Birmingham because we got that, that many. Uh, black or uh, mixed race lads wears. They would, we, didn't, we didn't even see a colour, you know what I mean? And same with them. And they came to Bramall Lane, what they did, they left they left the ground early, all their firm. There were a bit of fighting before the game, but they left it and they went to our pub on London Road, which is about 500 yards from ground and what have you. And they attacked the pub and to finish with, they used knives. A couple of our lads got slashed and uh, one got stabbed. But we got up there in jibs and drabs because we all had to run up from ground uh, attacking London Road, well, so we'll run up. Mass, mad is fighting. Will helicopter were above it, police helicopter filming it all. I'd love to see video of it. Just a proper war, toe to toe, 
table and chairs from the pub, they got nigher. Proper rip like, under the side, fighting like. We ended up running him, uh, and to be honest, we were one of the lads who slashed. Uh, he was an Asian lad. He got captured. He got tipped over, and he got absolutely splattered all over because he got knife. And I think, like I've just been talking about code of conduct, when you've just seen somebody getting slashed by a knife, somebody with a knife, that code of conduct goes out of the window because they mm. deserve all they fucking get. And he got he got minced in right, and we were in Sheffield Allenshire Hospital for four days. In fact, they sent him a card saying, get well soon from the BBC, which is Blade's business crew. Which is the Sheffield United crew. Yeah, they, they sent him a card to hospital as a piss take saying, get well soon from BBC, which I thought was quite funny. But yeah, and then we played him later on in the season. We took 100, about 150, 120, 150 down there. A lot went again down there. And for like two or three seasons, us in Birmingham just had this massive like, rivalry in it. And as quick as it developed, it's gone. It went again. But for four or five seasons, we like we didn't like we didn't like each other. We had some rights adults. One of your biggest battles was at home to Leeds. Can you tell me about that day? I can only describe it as a war. We must have turned five hundred out. We hadn't played Leeds. This is 80, 85, 86. We hadn't played Leeds at home for ages, and Leeds were a renowned football firm. They were probably one of the best firms in the country. We've turned five hundred. 500 of the lads down in Sheffield. There were that many of us out. We couldn't get in one pub. We were all in different pubs. And Leeds came on train. They, they brought hundreds and hundreds. And basically, they were fighting everywhere. It, it was just mad. Before game, during game, after game. They were still at it at 8 o'clock at night after game. So the game had finished like three or four hours and they were still fighting all over the place. It, 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 it was off-scale madness. And it's probably worst I've... I've been involved in and seen. You've got to think there's like 250 police on duty trying to stop 500 lads fighting with 600 lads, you know. You've got, they've got no chance. And it's all sporadic and it's all happening all over. I, I, I know a few Leeds lads now and they always talk about that day. And it, and it happened uh, to finish where we played them that season then we played them for two seasons after a home and away. And with every game, a lot went, whether it's at, where it, at Leeds, we'd go on train, in fact, one year we took, uh, we're probably the best organised we've ever been because we all went in cars to avoid police instead of going in coaches because it's only 30 miles away up, say, M1, main motorway. We decided to go in cars so we couldn't get captured by police. We parked on this industrial estate. It was like like a military exercise. And we took 300 lads bang outside their ground just before kickoff. We undetected by police. They didn't know we were here. And a lot went outside ground. And it's probably best organised we've ever been that. That game at home to Leeds, didn't your mate take a flare gun or something? Oh, yeah. Well, to be honest with you, it went just one, mate. It, it, I'm going to contradict myself here because we said we had no weapons and all this lot, but they were this novelty thing. It were no boating flares, distress flares. Yeah. Well, they were only like, see that pen there? Right. They were about as big as that. About as big a pen, yeah. It was like a pen there, and it was like a sulphur about that big side, and you screwed it on end, and like that. And then on this end, there was a little clicker. And all you did went, it went 100 yards at 100 mile an hour, a red flare. So Birmingham were first first people to, we we, we played at Bramall Lane, which I'll just tell you about the fire. And we were chasing them down Fargate, and a couple of black guys turned around, and I thought, well, he got a knife, you know what I mean? So we slowed up. They're like that. Ah, next minute, 
by these players just miss me. So we all thought, and every firm like sort of, oh, we'll have some of that. They were dangerous. And when, when Leeds came at us, about three of our lads just pulled them out and went, a big plume of red smoke and what have you. They were like a bit of a novelty, just like a firework type thing. But if you watch Byron's going off abroad now, they absolutely shoot fireworks at each other, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think they ever, ever, ever get to fight. They just... It's whoever's got best display of fireworks and they can look me thing like that. It does look a lot more gnarly on, on the news and stuff when you see flares and things. It looks like it's, it looks like a proper war zone. Didn't you get into a scrap wearing fancy dress? <laughs> That's funny, that, because on Twitter late last week, uh, a Bristol City fan, because it, it were at Bristol, and what it, I don't know why I did it. I, I, even my mates who were, oh, picked me up one morning. and For some reason, I just put all these 70s flare, you know, big flares on them. I had a big kipper tie and I put like John Lennon sunglasses on and I'd be these big stack heel boots on like this. And I've, I've, I've gone to match like that. Uh, fuck knows why. And anyway, lots gone on pitch, kicked off on pitch. There's actually photos of it in my, in my bucket. You'll not be able to see them properly. But I'm in the middle of it, me. Flares, and I've got this big orange tassel thing on, wading in and all that. And it was all on their news down there and it, they played it on their news and it just showed it zoomed in it showed me in the 70s what flares and everything wading into all all their lads and looks like I'm up. who's that idiot you know everybody's dressed like like late eight because this was 88 and I'm dressed like somebody from 72 you know or late 60s and what have you and my mates will pick me up that morning I came out of the house dressed like that I went what the fuck when you guys got promoted to the top league at one point, you you obviously start playing against some of the bigger clubs. What were some of those firms like? That did Tottenham, for example, did did they have much of a firm? How'd you get on with those guys? Yeah, yeah, we um, we just been in Premiership. Well, we're a bit of a we we don't last long in top flight. We sort of get in there and get out. If you know what I mean, we've just been up now two seasons. We're back in Championship now. So we're back in second tier English football. But uh, under Dave Bassett in the 80s, we had five seasons in Premier League. The first season we went home, this is nine, 1990. And Tottenham, a firm called Yids and whatever, they were probably sort of in 80s. Chelsea and West Ham were, were firms in London, especially West Ham. They were they were awesome for Cass's outfit. But Later on, it got that uh, Tottenham got a really, really good and respected firm, and we we went down there. We took a right good firm down. There were trouble before the game, and non, nothing major. Then after the game, we all came out ground. We'd all got to go back to Seven Sisters at Tube Station, so we got we were waiting to get everybody together. And just as we were waiting to get everybody together outside ground, they all came, and I went there here, and a lot of our lads still hadn't come out at ground. Anyway, it kicked off. Oh fuck! Total to everybody's fighting like folk. There's about six police in the middle of it trying to keep it that everybody's just fighting, everybody's just ignoring them, just fighting like, fighting like mad. And then more and more of our lads are coming out at ground and we end up running them up road, down Seven Sisters, then it was fighting out of sight, tune. We were, I remember we went we went around London after and I was saying, I said to all lads, like, because I was saying how good we were. I didn't think people believed right, that we were we were doing and that, but I did. I said, look, I've told you about us. We, we, we are fucking, we're a right firm. I think that day, like we're we're up there with with misters now. We we've, we've arrived. We had four seasons in uh, four or five seasons in top league. So we went and fought every all best firms is Chelsea's and what have you, because we'd built up a firm, and then we were in top flight. It, 
got even bigger, if you know what I mean. Mm. It probably got too big. It, it was probably hard undoing that, that we got too big. Say you've got 100 lads, 150 lads, and you all know each other and you all trust each other. You know where you're batting from. You know main lads to get out in front. This, that, another. When you've got t- 400 lads, you've got a lot of passengers on board. You've got a lot of people who uh, want to be there for wearing clothes and this, that, another part of a gang culture and this, that, another. But they're not really, they don't want to fight. So then you get sort of splintered and you get a bit of mistrust and you're not as tight as a mob. And I think that's what happened with us. We got, we got too big and we got we sort of got splintered up a bit. I much preferred it when we'd take 100 lads away. We once went to Knott's Forest and we, cause, so I said, let's take just take 50 to Forest. So that's what we do. We took 50 right good lads to Forest and we had it, we had it with Forest and we run them. And I said, that's much more better because we know nobody's going to leave each other. And when you get too big, you've got 400 lads, you don't you don't know what's going off. It's just too, too many. 1992, you're taking on the Chelsea Headhunters, which were the country's top firm, weren't they? Tell me about that. Well, I know Jason Madden right well. Um, he's one of their main lads. And it, it, were, it were the guy who McIntyre stitched up. I don't know, you'll probably, you might not have seen the programme, but it, it were a big documentary they followed Chelsea around and basically he got seven year and he got seven year for nothing because they didn't really have anything on him but he one of their main lads and what happened we I said like I said we had got a massive reputation and Chelsea knew knew this and they knew that we were going to go down there and they knew we were going to we had no fear of them we didn't have no respect for them and to be honest with this sticks us up it was a lesson learned that day because like I've just been saying about having 100 lads rather than 400 lads. We had 100 lads out that day. We were in uh, World's End at Camden. And I looked around and I thought, fuck it, this, this firm's not going nowhere. I don't matter how many Chelsea's got. And what were happening, they kept coming up to the pub, you know, like, and there were a few Sheffield Wednesday with them because Sheffield Wednesday, um, Chelsea were really ra- a really racist firm, along with Leeds were, uh, in early 80s, were, they were really, really racist and what have you. And a few Sheffield Wednesday fans got, because uh, they were they were, into, they were into all that national front marches and all this malarkey, combat 18. They got friends with him, so they were coming up taunt as well. So they were taunting us, and they were trying to get us out of pub, and I'm saying, I was shouting at everybody, don't go out, that's what they want us to do. We're on their turf, let them come to us. And then if they came and they got weapons, we could go out at pub and we've got chairs or whatever, and we could, but well, now because we were that cocksure of ourselves, and they were that, up for it, they ended up following down or were goading us down this road. I knew it was I knew it was set up. I was shouting rolling. I was right at bike for once in my life. I was right at back because I got right up on. I says, fucking next minute, Chelsea came around the corner, told up to folk. They got knives, bats, harmonia in jiff uh, you know the little lemon jiff bottles. They put harmonia in it. So they squirt and it goes in your eyes, or you can't see they got them, they're squirting them on a massive fight kicked off, but which we, we were all Queensby rolls with fists and everywhere you look, they got they got weapons and what have you. And they run they're runners. You know if about it, so they run us right right back to the pub because we couldn't fight with with weapons. Later on we we smashed them all over because we bumped into one children and they obviously they, they ditched the weapons. But since that I am not gonna say name that lad, but the lads told me what they did that day. They parked three vans up full of tools because they couldn't carry them around with them because the police got them. So they got these three vans parked up. When we'd gone down this road, they just all tipped out this pub, went into vans, got everything and just attacked us with it. 
as soon as they run us and got back, chucked all the stuff back in vans, and then they were all thing. That's how much respect they got for us that they knew they had to do shit like that. Otherwise, they wouldn't get minced in. And luckily for them, they got on tube, and as we got on tube further down the line, some, one of United lads come running out and went, they're on tube, because you, you've seen how long tubes are. We're on one end, they're on other, we didn't know. And so we ends up, ah, they're on. So as soon as we stopped at a stop, we all run down. Massive fight. Oh, they got they got smashed to pieces. I'm not saying it were all there firm, but there were about 40 of them, and they got absolutely battered. Millwall were always known to have a pretty good firm. I don't know if you've uh, watched the movie ID, but we interviewed James Bannon, who was the uh, undercover cop who wrote the book, um, Running with the Firm, which ID is based on um, loosely. Some of it's true, some of it's obviously dramatised. First of all, we'll talk about Millwall firm and then we'll talk about undercover cops. Um, whether you had any of those come into you uh, or you noticed any of those or whatnot. So with the Millwall firm, known for their violence and, you know, so is West Ham, I suppose, that both, both of those are pretty well-known firms. Yeah, they properly hate each other as well. Yeah. Did you ever have any run-ins with Millwall? Oh, yeah, yeah. Loads. I like Millwall. I've got, like, so much respect for them. We had a lot of tear-ups with them. There's a lot of things that have gone off. One of my good friends, Steve Race, won't be uh, thanking me for this because they beat him up in London and nicked his trainers and then season after come to Bramall Lane because our stand were near there, there away and he's, this kid has got his trainers on and they're all pointing at his feet like, you know what I mean, because he nicked his trainers in this fight. It's good banter. You were t- you, when you went to Coldblow Lane, which were Millwall's old ground in the 80s, you took your life in your hand, didn't it? I went five or six times and everyone it were me. And I'll be honest with you, if I say I lived in Liverpool, I spot Everton. I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of mates with Everton, so I think I'm, I'm saying it because of them, but I'd support a team that in a big team, if you know what I mean. So if I lived in London, I'd support Millwall 100%. They're so tight as a, a group, as well as a club and as a group of lads. And a lot of people don't like them, and a lot of people, they tore them with a brush that they, they stick together like glue. And I, admit, I like that. I like that about them. They're not a big club, but they they stick together. And if they want to have a tear up, they'll have a they'll have a proper tear up. In '83, Millwall stopped off in Sheffield and ended up fighting with some Sheffield United fans and a few people who were just out in town. And a Millwall fan died in fight. Died. Yeah, he died. He tried to drop drop kick somebody. As he'd missed him, he fell back, smashed his head in pavement and whatever happened but he died Millwall all put it around there oh we we Sheffield United to kill one of our lads you know what I mean and so and it weren't like that and they eventually all truth came out and what have you but for four or five years it were Millwall Sheffield United were it were a bit manic sort of died out but whenever Sheffield United play Millwall they both firms turn out for each other yeah that's the thing because you do hear about Millwall and uh, that you know when you're when you're fighting against Millwall, like the their firm is always, all of them are there to scrap. They're not the guys that are on the peripherals. Like you're saying, if you have four hundred people and you've got only twenty of those, are probably going to actually fight or be at the front. Yeah, like Millwall yeah. Got, firm's always pretty. It's funny. It's funny saying reliable, but it's because you're talking about hooligans. But yeah, no, no, no. I I, I agree what you're saying. They're uh, probably man for man. They've got more people willing to do actual combat than rest because 
be so tight. You, you got to think they've never really been in Premier League. They've never been to top league. They've always been a, a club that's seven, eight thousand fans at home and all that. Lot. Um, and it's the area. They, they're all from the same area. They're all right close. They've got to be man for man, probably one of the best firms in the country that's over, over a long period of time as well. It's like United now, the Sheffield United aren't. I mean, Valence is, it is coming back a little bit, I think. I've seen a lot of things coming back uh, that I thought had been eradicated from the game. But certainly in the last 10 years, violence in, in England is basically few and far between. But it has seen, seemed to have picked up the last couple of years, whether it's because everybody seems to be off the nut on cocaine nowadays. Everybody seems to be sniffed up at matches and they think they're 10 men and what have you. I don't know whether it's that's anything to do with it. But certainly over a long period of time, you've got to take it off of Millwall because they've never had peaks and softs in it. Like we've been good, we've been brilliant. And then sort of last seven or eight years, we haven't really... Uh, well, it is all that. All people like myself are all retired, all have got good jobs and they've all, all grown out of it and, and what have you. And are too old for it or fed up with it, fed up with getting risked. You don't want to risk your job and your life now because you've been, we've been there and seen highlights of it, but... Now they, they, you'll get twenty lads in all dressed up and this that with twenty police around and they think that's a bit of mouthing off. That's that's football violence to them now. They haven't seen word. They haven't actually been in war zones. And I, like I said you, to our, a lot of United young lads, I see you've missed boat. You've missed the boat. It's it's been and sailed and gone. Mm. Don't don't get involved now. It's just a waste of time. Mm. But yeah, Millwall right across the board. Who were the main firms back in the day? Like who who do you think were the top firms in the eighties and nineties? Well, you've you've got you've mentioned a lot of them. They were yeah. um eighties were like Millwall, West Ham, Chelsea, Leeds, teams like which you you might not realise that Middlesbrough, who's have a proper right firm there, Middlesbrough. They're frontline lads, they they had credit all over the country because they were that good. Later on, like Forest come, they had a good firm like that. So they were peaks and troughs in good firms, if you know what I mean. What would happen when you when England plays? Did the firms team up? That's what I used to hate about it. I mean, I, I I started going to England games and what have you, but I fell out with it. Um, I, I, got, I asked this other day, club or country, and I said club all the time. Because what happened, England would take that many lads, say they, they'd take... A lot of northern firms went, a lot of smaller clubs used to take a big firm in England. Like they'd take people like Carlisle and Stockport and all that, but they'd take 50 lads and what have you. And during World Cup in Night City, we're in, we're in France, in Lille. Oh, Derby started fighting with Forest because there were nobody to fight with. There were massive three or 4,000 English in this square, all pissed up. Because there were nobody to fight with, uh, Derby don't like Forest, so they started fighting with them. And Chelsea run out a fight with Leeds and blah blah. I says, oh fuck this! You're representing England to me. You've, and they were letting club rivalries take over main thing, which you're a spot England. And I just thought, I oh, fucking can't be doing with this. What happened in Poland? Two thousand euros. I'll be honest with you. Two Sheffield United lads nearly got killed. One got stabbed. Uh, one got a machete over the head. He's got a scar on his head that lot that long. Um, Talk me through what happened, the whole situation. I weren't there, so I can't comment on something that... I know the story and what have you, but it were all arranged by a middleman from Holland, a well-known middleman who used to fix all Oligan firms up to fight with each other. So he fixed this fight up in, I think he called it Monument Park. 
Polish come and basically just smashed England all over. Some Sheffield United lads stood and they just got obviously beat up, stabbed, and like I say, one and got machete over the head. And they were lucky, lucky to live, really. I think it's just going a bit fucking too far, that, you know. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you talk about the different firms starting to fight each other at, at England Games, wouldn't sometimes you, you kind of meet up and have a beer with the other firms at England Games, exchange numbers or whatever, and then... Uh, and then you'd you'd organise a fight for when your teams played against each other. So you'd, you'd be having a beer with a lad, and then going, okay, so we're playing you on this date. Where should we meet up and have a fight? Oh yeah, cool. Cheers. And yeah, that happened. Happened regularly. A lot of people. I don't really know what uh, the rave scene were in England, but football violence, uh, 80, 89, 90. The rave scene came along, which were dance music in clubs and big dance events all over. So lads from all over the country, and they're all into ease, taking ease, which is love drug. So all oh, lads, uh, uh, one minute we're fighting with each other. We're then going to uh, sort of leads to a warehouse, to these raves, these illegal raves, meeting each other, having an E, loving each other to death. Oh, big loving it. And football fans just, just died because they're all, everybody got to know each other and the whole thing. It was like a peacemaking drug. So it's been well documented in various hooligan books, but it was mad that um, people were once one minute tearing up next to them in a nightclub, chewing other one's face off too much, much they love them because they're off the nut on ease. And then as the rave season died out sort of thing, contacts had been made, right, we've got you on Saturday, and it was back game on again. So they all now got contact numbers to arrange fights. Don't go to such and such a street. Police will be there. Don't go there, there's CCTV, meet there. And that's how it all it sort of evolved from there. Mad, really. It is mad. It's crazy. You mentioned the police and them not being there, but did they, you personally, they, they started to know who you were, obviously. Were you kind of marked by the police and, and, and almost were you targeted by the police? Yeah, well, I'm not, first off, I'm not extra grand with police like it were. They're doing a job, you know what I mean? It's their job, but uh, and, all, and ultimately doing it really badly at times. But I'm no axe to grind with them because, and I think to be honest with you, they loved it as much as us. They just batter you. They were none of this like, they just they just steam you. I think they'd sooner steam you and smash it all to pieces than, than, than nick you. And they, they were as up for it as, as we were. And it was all a big game. They were trying to like football intelligence come, up, come along where they were trying to infiltrate football firms and what have you. We had a couple of time getting with us, but we 
we we sussed them, binned them out. Yeah, how did you suss them? They stuck out like sore thumbs, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, it was just it was just so obvious, like. And then they were they were setting stuff up in like chip shop windows, like the climate, and we were sussing them out because we'd have, we'd got a big fight with Middlesbrough on bottom of London Road, and then last minute we just saw these curtain and they set cameras up to catch us all. We managed to hear that they were trying all sorts of different tactics. Football informer, they were paying people to give them information. Mm. Uh, so lads who had got a bad charge would say, look, we might lower your charge if you can give a bit of information or then start paying people. So it all got a bit messy because police started sussing everybody out. And so, for 10 years, they ain't got a clue who you were because you've got to think that different police at different matches. And But then football intelligence officers came on board and they were spotted. They called spotters to other police. Then you got known. Once you got known, your life weren't left living to me. So you got followed all over. You got pointed out. Um, you got cameras on your old time in your face, so you had to be really, really careful. It were sort of time I started thinking, and I also got nicked, I got arrested a couple of times, and I got really bad charges. I had my first child as well, and I'm thinking, do I really want to be losing my life over this? Mm. My daughter growing up without a, a dad being at home, and it was sort of that's when I started thinking, you know, it's time. I've done, I've done, I've done my, I've done my time with hooligan things and I started thinking about getting out of it but like I said earlier on it was that much of a buzz and a drug and an adrenaline rush that it was so hard to get out of and I got all phone calls because oh Steve we need you and I was trying to make it so oh we've got this one Steve we need you this one you, you fucking got me there and I felt obliged I got to be there I felt like I was letting everybody down if I didn't go there that's why I wrote my book to finish with what it were I was at work one day and a normal Sheffield United fan, I'm saying normal, as in he weren't an hooligan, he was just a fan. And we played Oxford and they'd come on pitch, they were all high fencing up, and they'd come on pitch, they'd score it last minute, and so they'd come over taunting us. And we'd had a fight before the game, and one of my friends got really badly beat up. I saw guys who were there, and I just, I don't know why I did, but I just jumped down seven foot, and I just waded into them, there must be about two or three hundred Oxford on pitch. And all United fans just all piled over a massive running battle on pitch. So I were at, at work and one of the lads is telling a story about me on pitch at Thingy. And somebody said, you want to write a book? Because the stories you've got, you know what I mean? And anyway, then I thought, I'd had my daughter, my wife were getting fucking rightly pissed off with it all. Fear, fair enough. Starting saying, you know, any time you fucking grow up, like you've done this long enough now, blah, blah, blah. Couple of bad charges, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna write this book because when I've wrote it, it sort of draws the line under it. I can't get involved and do stuff because I've put my name in shop window, and it was sort of it might have been a bit of a coward's way to get out of it because I ain't got bollocks just to walk away from it, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's a it's a crazy book because yeah, it's just it's almost like a historical book of different trips to different places. And yeah, different it's, it's, fights and different crews, different firms, fight after fight, every single page. Yeah, it's a diarised account of uh, my life fighting. And that's why I wanted to do Blaze Business Crew 2, because it shows another side to me. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of violence in it. I'm not saying they're in, but they also shows me away from football. And, and a lot of trouble I've been involved in away from football as well. Mm. Like I say about Wednesday coming up and attacking me on Sunday football and stuff like that. Yeah, what happened there? I was just I was just stripped. I was on, on pitch warming up. Bear in mind that Wednesday were trying to 
knocked me down a peg or two because I got a big name for myself and a lot of people behind me. Wednesday in Sheffield used to be the best firm in the 70s before I were involved. I was too young. When 80s came along, 83, Wednesday was still, they had a lot of big lads and big hitters and our old lads couldn't deal with them. But when our young casuals came along, myself and a few others, and we, we just came and showed them no respect. They were trying to knock me down a peg or two and tell him, they were trying to deal with me as a message to everybody else. Thought if they get fucking batter me and get me. So I was targeted a bit. Like I said, they came to me work. Uh, I got a phone call to my house, thought, threatening stuff. And anyway, one day I went football. A fucking freezing cold. There were only, there were only four on pitch because it was that cold. They'd all stayed in changing rooms. And I were on pitch work trying to warm up. And my dad were there because my dad used to run, run team like he used to be manager. I'm fucking running. And, and one of my mates says, fucking on Wednesday are here. So I looked and there's like five, six lads walking up. We all with scars around the face. And I knew straight away, and they were one of them, uh, one of main, Wednesday's main lads who didn't have no covering on his face. I know he'd come for me, so I just went, and I'll fucking on, got my football kit on and my boots and everything. So I was running, I went, come on then. And uh, he just went like, I pulled fucking his cleaver out of his coat. And next minute, I looked, one's got a bat, one's got a bottle, and all that, and I'm like that, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to fight with him. But like, it went back, fucking. Two or three teammates, they just froze. But they weren't football hooligans, you know what I mean? They were they just football lads like that. I didn't think no worse of them not coming to train out there. I'll get, but I won't run. And then I thought, it's fucking got it two or three times with back. And I looked behind me and they were cricket pitch fenced off for winter with these like big 3v3 rustic posts in ground. So I just fucking run off. Fucking pull this big rustic post out. I went, we're all told up now. And I run and just I run at them and they all started thinking about what threw this big bottle at me, it's hit me on knee, smashed on my knee, ripped all my thigh up. Um, I don't ever seen a muscle when it cuts. It just fluffs up like cotton, oh, cotton wool. Yeah. I got this big ball of cotton wool on my leg like that, running after him, chased him all the way up with this big fucking thing, fucking running and running. And then my leg went numb and I just like collapsed on floor. And they'd run off. And I had to go and have stitches in hospital and all that lot. And then, do you know what I thought? I, I never did, I never did date with one back. I never went to, people's houses or phone people up or I just like to leave it to the streets when we're playing football you know what I mean that's that to me is when it should be done and that were out of order what they were doing and they did but I never did out of order bike I left it that they were wankers and I weren't a wanker all lads were fizzing when all lads knew what had happened all United all and saying come on, we'll do this we'll do that we know I know I know where he lived and I actually pulled them all though uh, even though they got scarves around the faces and what have you, I got to know every one of them who were there and I pulled them all one by one. Oh shit, I, I, cracked, I cracked two of them, I punched two of them. And they were all saying, he said, he said, he said it was going to be one on one. I went, well, it would have been one on one if you aren't a fucking old, could, but he pulled the cleaver out. And we, I could have had a fight one on one with him, but they all, then they all come up trying to fucking club me with bats. So I went, that ain't no one on one. So bang out of order. And that's how I see this Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday rivalry is that. That that story epitomises how bad it were that it got to that stage where we were prepared to go that low just to try and beat number number one in the city, if you know what I mean. When you look back now, how do you view your younger you, the hooligan you? Like, what do you do? You look back and go, "Oh, God, I was a legend," or do you look back and go, Fuck, "What what what did I do that for?" Yeah, a bit a bit of both to be honest with you. Do you know? Do you know when you're young? It's like I've got a young son, and he's fucking done some stupid things. He just sell down there. He's just had a little 
boy in, settle down a bit. And I've told him, all right, don't do this, don't I'm like, Fucking, you're all right talking. You know, how do you tell people somebody? You know what I mean? I said, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm just trying to tell you. In fact, in my first book, I put, I put Kenny Rogers' song, Promise Me Son, not to do the things I've done. Walk away from trouble if you can. Mm. It don't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man. I put that in, in, in my book as a message to him. Don't try and follow my footsteps. What do you do? Made all fucking same mistakes as me. Got banned from football. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking and I'm getting bollockings and all this like that. And I could see myself in him just, just young and daft and not thinking a big picture. All encompassed in it and all friends and violence and this, that and other. I look back and I think I was selfish. My aims and goals and, and things were very, very selfish in, in our insular and everything else was secondary. Whereas now, well, for the last 10 years, really, my life's changed significantly. I'm not ashamed of my past, don't get me wrong, but I'm not proud of it neither. All I can say is no innocent suffered at my hands. I know it sounds perverse, but other than football violence, I've been, I think I've been a pretty nice human being type thing. Very helpful. I'll do all for anybody, this, that and other. But that, that was just my let off of steam and, and that were the culture at the time that we're involved, that we're involved in. Were you the boss of the firm, or were you like the top boy? What do you what do you call it? Like, how were you organising this? Like, were you the guy that instigated it, and made it happen? Yeah, well, I've always tried to downplay that because us at Sheffield United, a lot of people had top top lads. The press, um, sort of, when they infiltrated football firms and West Ham, Chelsea got uh, busted, they were donated everybody. They were after these generals and these leaders and all this lot. We are structure. We didn't really have that. We had top lads and 100% were a top lad I mean I, did, I, did take, I took four courses to West Ham, I organised four courses so I did get involved in thinking but I weren't one of them that um, sort of said we, we're doing this, we'd have arguments sometimes in fact sometimes we'd disarray because 21 had to go down that way, we're all arguing now fucking 20, so we didn't have a leader to pull it all together and we had that many good lads that I don't think anybody could really call themselves the top lad. Well, we had one person who were involved with Sheffield United. He's no longer here now, and uh, but he come on, he come on later on, in, later on in the scene, sort of into nineties, and he were, I would say, a top lad. But he's unfortunately not not with us no more. Uh, so other than that, we have never had lads. I know lads who have just been as like game as me and right, right good lads. We never like said, oh, he's leader, he's leader, blah blah. blah. Because it's just a bit, bit childish to be honest with you. Mm. We've just like I said, we're all, we've all got an opinion. We've all got a thing. Yeah, we're all fighting for the same cause. I, I did take it onto another level, and everybody knew our game as fuck. Everybody knew we we're going to be on front, front line. But I never, never, I never ever claimed to be a leader or a general or a main actor. We we firm because I like to call, call myself a top lad. Because we had a lot of top lads in our water room. It, it's interesting because, like, when I um, interviewed James Bannon, because when we talked about the ID movie, so that's the movie that's based loosely on his book. There's a couple of bits in the movie that are kind of verbatim from the book, but a lot of it's dramatized. And and when he was infiltrating Millwall, they had the bosses, they had top guys that they were going after, and. It was quite a specific structure. Yeah, they were the hundred percent other other clubs. Chelsea, they probably had four or five lads who were their generals, starting their leaders. 
whole thing. And uh, there were certainly other clubs like Millwall, uh, one at West Ham. They were mostly London clubs because you've got to think of London. You've got sort of six or seven clubs in, all going on tubes and all that. Lot. And the organisation had to be a lot better right, yeah. than just like jumping on a coach, coaches going out M1 or going out motorway. They were in danger of bumping into each other all the time. So they needed to be sharper on the thing. Hence, they needed people who were going to organise things and lead things. Northern firms were pretty much like rudderless ships, if you know what I mean. The shout would go out, we're meeting there next week. You got to think as well, a lot of this in 80s, there were no more about phones and no thingy. So it were one match, we'd say, right, what we're doing next week? Well, we've got Man City away, right? We're all going on saying at such and such a time, see you next week. And we tip up the train station next week, there's 150. And then at the end of the thing, right, we've got, we've got Leeds at home next week. What we're doing, we're meeting in Bluebell. Let's get make sure we're in early so we meet at Bluebell at 11 o'clock. You know, that, and that's it because there were no more mobile phones. You couldn't organise anything. And that all come later. And then you later, later it got with mobile phones and everything came on board and internet and all that malarkey. It got organised more, a lot more. And then the generals obviously started manoeuvring the troops to, to compensate for our technology changed. Do you think like some of the football firms took their organisation sort of to a different criminal level at all? Do you think like as far as organised crime goes? Yeah, definitely. We had it at Chef, uh, like I said, do you know what I just said about football firms getting too big, too many people involved? We, we end up getting a lot of lads with us who weren't in it for football. They didn't love club. Some of them hadn't even set foot in Bramall Lane, but they classed themselves as members at Blaze Business Crew because they were in a gang. And why they joined that gang is because it helped them sell drugs, intimidate people, tax people, take money off landlords because, oh, you don't want to fucking think. And it, that was a time when I was just writing a book and I was getting away from it. And I thought, thank fuck for that. I'm getting out of this because this isn't what it was all about for me. I know a lot of other f- football firms that certainly used criminal activity within the activities of, of the football firm. I'm not seeing all football lads, and you're probably talking about 5-10% of football lads in art of it that started ticking on criminal activity and making money. And, and it could be various things like forged money or whatever. But that's when I just started looking at it different because it weren't about that for me. Before I wrap things up, I just want to ask you, we've touched on it a couple of times about undercover cops because I find that quite interesting. And you were saying how they stick out like sore thumbs. Can you remember any specific time where you kind of gone, oh, that's old Bill, that's that's a police officer there? I'll tell you a little story. Once we were, we were playing Man City at Bramall Lane, it were sort of 88, 89. And Man City's firm were walking to well, petrol station about Bramall Lane. We come around corner, big fight happened and all this lot. And then all these police come from everywhere, into everybody. And then we all got split up. And then I, I ended up going around the corner with two of my mates because they, they were nicking everybody in it, cracking everybody, horses were there. These four or five blokes come at us, come on then. And I was looking and thinking, these aren't football lads, these just started with dressed in. I'm going, fuck off. And they're going, come on, and one chat to boat, mate. Didn't even retire, I thought they were fucking Bob Bill, the, the police. And I went, well, fuck, I could get, I could get your uniforms back on. They just like stopped and just looked at me like gone out thinking, get your fucking uniforms back on. They were, t- they were trying to square up. To I'd throw one punch, I'd have been nicked. And they were, t- they were t- trying to boot me and all sorts of things. They just stuck out like sore thumbs, just their hair cut, everything about them. 
they couldn't even square up properly. You know, you know, you know football lads. And it was just, I thought, fucking hell. That's how bad it's getting now that they're trying to cause you to throw a punch and then you get, they've got the rest, don't they? You throw them back, you're nicked. Do they ever try and infiltrate, like, coming to the pub and, like, trying to drink at your local and try and join the crew, so to speak? Uh, well, that, that did happen with Sheffield United. But, uh, the, the, the first football intelligence officer, and I actually quite liked him, the, the United lads, they hated him. They couldn't stand him. First time we saw him, we knew he was copper. Bear in mind, we've never seen him before in his life. We were, and we were in this pub at all. And these three geezers come in. And they come out, eyes are looking out, they were blazing. They start, oh, where, where, where are we going? And all this like, straight away, I was going, the coppers then. So one of the lads went, oh, says, you're coppers, you I said, no, no, we're not, we're blazing. They were telling the old team and all this lot. And anyway, no police had sussed outside. No, old police had sussed And we in five minutes to these three blokes walking in pub. All police come outside, so there were 30, 40 police outside with all uh, police vans and all this lot. So that were basically us wrapped up for the day. <laughs> we were all trying to think our way of getting out. One of the lads went into the toilet, there were like a, like a window on a, le- a ledge, and we looked down, there were about a 10 foot drop. We went into a courtyard, and there was only a little window like that. So we had, so I fucking says, come on, let's think. So we start feeding. Bear in mind, the six is in pub. So we all start feeding us. These police or Sheffield intelligence officers, first time they've had infiltrators, were outside talking to old police. So we're all dipping out this window out at bank. We all went down thingy onto these dark land. A lot, a lot of us went away. There were one eight United lads left in pub. I'll tell you why I left in pub because we were too fat to get through <laughs> the window. So he's in pub and he says, they come back in, police went, where the fuck is everybody? You know what I mean? So imagine it, you stood outside, pub up, police round, and going to march up to the yeah, game next minute, you go back in pub. We've all climbed out this windy toilet and we're all, we're all about a mile up road now. And then about two minutes later, we're fighting Will. So it were it were quite funny. And I'm not going to tell set policeman's name, but some four year later, I was talking to him because everybody's just started and he were police. And what he were, he were his uh, spotting, football intelligence spotter. I was talking to him at a game. He went, he made me look right, cunt, you at all, at all. He said, I'm outside saying, yeah, this this is all their mob. This is their mob. These are our lads. You've got to make sure you don't get away. Blah, blah, blah. He said, go back in and you've all gone. He said, I felt about that big. <laughs> but he did have a lot. He, he were laughing about it. He just said, life. So it's a game to them. It's a game to what it were, a game to us and what have you. Like I've always said, I don't know. No, I don't hold no grudges against police. Me, I've. Um, I'll tell you a little story about police. How much we had a big terror with Sheffield Wednesday. We were a mad, proper mad fight. Police tried to block us off from getting to Wednesday fans. They blocked road off, but United fans just steaming to police. They were pulling trunches off them and hitting them with. It were a mad, mad fight. And Wednesday run around this road, and about ten of them run run around. So if you can imagine, there's a more United, about 100 United fighting with the police on one, and then all Wednesday's lads have run around. There's only 10 of us to confront them. So I've waded straight in. But next minute, I'm on deck, police on top of me. In the meantime, I'm I'm trying to struggle and get away. All United lads have come round corner and seen me getting. So they went, they've got Steve, get it. So they all attack police. And I'm trying to get away. I got away once. Uh, I dropped my mobile phone. I got all my trousers raped me. I got a pole shark jumper on that, got raped. Managed to get away, and then coppers got me again. 
more and more police coming in, start fighting with you know, chase United lads off and that, the next minute. So they throws me back at his car and this I'll never forget a face. They were a black police officer, a woman. I was like that with cuffs on him back at they it went in van, they were in a, they put me in a car. And she was sat aside of me and she was shaking like a leaf, you know. And I just sat there and went, Are you are you all right, love? And she went, She she couldn't touch she was that petrified. I went, I'm so sorry, you, you shouldn't be seeing things like that. And we're more bothered about her, you know, that she were all right. Oh, way to cop shop, like to cells. I would just try and re- reassure her, see, you're all right now, love you. She would shit in herself. She was shaking like a leaf. She was a woman involved in this massive war zone thing. And I was more concerned about her than I were. And even Copper was sat in front, turned on, he went, he knew, he knew, you know, he knew my name and he knew who I were. And he went, he said, Steve, you're a good lad, you're like, just packing with this, you know what I mean? You're, you're a good geezer, everybody knows that. So just get away from it. And I just looked, I looked at him as... I was more concerned about her because she was she was, she was terrified. Was that the last scrap you got in, or the last hooliganism you got into? Oh no, 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 <laughs> no. Jeez, it's hard to wrap my head around your your mentality. It's it's interesting though. Yeah, like I've I've touched on, it's so hard to explain to normal people. I, I bet everybody who watches this podcast or whatever it is, I'll not understand and can't get it. I think he's raving mad him. You know what I mean? But like I say, it was just a release in life and it was part of culture and um, a thing that happened in my life that I don't see myself as a bad person. And I, I know I'm not. I know I'm a, quite a good person. That was just my release. Mm. But to explain it to normal people, oh, football lads know. They know because they've been in that adrenaline buzz. They've been in that that tribal culture, that war. That war. Perversely, you're fighting for your, your club, your city, and your friends and your pride. So you've got all that all balled into one. You don't want to. You don't want to lose that togetherness, and you've got to win that war. In your mind, you're in your own little Braveheart movie, right? You are. Yeah. You get wrapped up in it, and then, like I said, at times everything else became secondary in your in your life. It was that intense. I mean, you look at it now. I mean, it, it's a culture's changed that much now. Like in England, you'll not have none of this in you, but. Like London, there's that many gangs around now, they're just stabbing and killing each other all over the place. They're in a culture now that it's normal to them. That's their no as wrong as it is. And it's and it's not like a you know like we were, just get a, a there were odd stabbings and odd incident where people carried knives and that, but it's part of normal life now. There's an estate literally half a mile from where I'm facing you. Last week, in, in, in pub, a mile down the road, yeah, he's got stabbed to death. Two people got stabbed, he's got stabbed to death. 24-year-old. And it's normal for they'll carry knives now. That, that's just normal for them all. Because they don't lose a fight, or they don't lose pride. They've got a knife and they say it's protection. That's their culture now. Mm. The culture I were involved in then, that were culture we were. It's an horrible culture now. Mm. Steve Cowens, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for that. And before I go, love and peace to everybody. Uh, and I hope you get everything cleared up in uh, New Zealand and you start living a free life again so pretty soon. Thanks, Steve. And if you want to read more about football violence in the 80s and 90s, check out Blade's Business Crew. It's basically a book full of fighting. Uh, and Steve's got some other books as well. 
Blades Business Crew 2, and uh, he's also uh, put both those books together and released out a latest copy, haven't you? Yeah, you can get my books on my website on my website as well. So it's uh, www.stevecowens.co.uk. Great, and thank you very much for listening. Some of our best guests have come from your ideas. So if you have any suggestions on who we should interview next, feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram or Twitter. And make sure you share this with your friends. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.